Greetings, it's the Something Something Experience Podcast, episode 35. I'm Michael John Simpson. This week, the goddess of goth and fantastico of feminism, Kitty Brown, joins me as co-host. This week's guest is video game programmer Brandon Evans. We sat down to talk about candy, the video game industry, Mad Max Fury Road, Avengers Age of Ultron, Elizabeth Olsen, Milana Vaintrub, Scarlet Witch, Ex Machina, Star Citizen, crowdfunding, Star Wars, the physics of lightsabers, imperialism, and the assassination of Archduke Franz Ferdinand. See you in Valhalla! Here's episode 35 of the Something Something Experience. Everybody have Skittles? Everybody good? Skittled up. Skittles the great icebreaker. <laughs> oh wait, no, that's a different can. Skittles the fresh maker. <laughs> it's probably the same company. Mm-hmm. Are these Mars? I don't know who makes Mars Skittles. Mars makes Skittles. My work... Um, Mars, my... Mars makes, makes Skittles, Skittles. <laughs> well, my coworkers and I have a, a ritual called the Slurpinger, where we all walk to oh, the 7-Eleven across the Usually street. Usually one jerks before one slurps. <laughs> right? <laughs> but we walk to the 7-Eleven across the street, and they get Slurpees and beef jerky. I get Slurpees and Sour Patch Kids, because vegan. But it is, you know, referred to as a Slurpinger. Nice. <laughs> nice. The answer was Wrigley. Wrigley, Wrigley makes Skittles. Skittles. Oh. So, and I think Wrigley might make icebreakers gum, too. I'm not sure. <clears throat> hmm. Anyway. Today on Candy Talk, <laughs> today on the Something Delicious podcast, um, yes. So, Brandon, yeah, how you doing? I'm all right. Okay. Uh, tell us about yourself. What do you do? I am a game programmer. I'm the UI designer or UI programmer at uh, Cloud Imperium Games in Los Angeles. I work on a game called Star Citizen. We're uh, the most crowdfunded thing ever, uh, and I work mostly on spaceship user interfaces. Fantastic. Cool. Yeah, my son is interested in becoming a programmer. I'm like, well, everything's available online to learn for free, thanks to MIT. <laughs> yeah, now uh, the Unreal Engine 2 is also free. Uh, wow. Anyone can get the source code of Unreal for free, uh, so they can even modify the engine to just... Uh, the you if you actually make something and want to sell it, then you can be like, okay, well, wait, I need a license for this. Okay. They'll be like, here you go. Cool. <laughs> Just give us lots of money. Cool. Yeah. Um, what advice do you have to people out there trying to get into the games industry? Uh, the usual advice is don't. Uh, <laughs> it's a rough industry to work in. Um, fortunately, I am one of the few like salary or not sal not salaried people. I'm one of the few hourly people. So, like, I can't... If, if they want me to work overtime, they actually have to, like, pay me for it. Smart. <laughs> yeah. Smart. Uh, I wish I was hourly. So, I'm, I'm, like, not even, like, allowed to work overtime. But everyone else there, they just work so, so many hours and they're salaried. So, it's not like they're getting extra for it. And that's right. just, like, the way it is in this whole industry. It's kind of messed up. Yeah. I know Obama um, said something about trying to fix the laws because a lot of people are being miscategorized and being yeah. paid salary when they should be getting hourly and getting overtime. Yeah. yeah. So it's an interesting intersection between like this political issue and something that, as nerds, we all love, gaming. Yeah. Right, you know? right. Our games come at a price. Yes, they well, do. How did you get your start programming games, though? Uh, I always wanted to be a game programmer, like literally as far back as I can remember. Uh, I've definitely remember it was Super Mario World that I was playing when I decided I wanted to be a game programmer. Interesting. So I, that would have been like 93, I guess. Oh, yeah. No, I was born in 90, so <laughs> I was a baby. Um, <laughs> yeah, so I always wanted to. I won't to. say how old I was in 19. <laughs> so like I always wanted to, but like I didn't really do anything about that until I was a senior in high school. When I was a senior in high school, I was starting to change my mind and want to do physics. Then I had, like, the worst physics teacher and the best computer science teacher. And I was just like, never mind, I'm going back. <laughs> and then do, it, do fi- I'm going to do physics. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's do. pretty much How what I thought. physics? <laughs> I, I, don't know, I don't know much about physics, but I think I'm going to do physics. <laughs> well, I'm doing physics. Well done, Barnabas. Um, cool, cool. So you got your start... With a computer science teacher, so then did you go to school or did you 
Yeah, I went to a USC. They have a, a computer science games major in the in the engineering department, which is what I did, and it was pretty new at the time. I guess like the before my year, that was usually about ten students, and then suddenly my year was like thirty students. <laughs> so all of our classes were like had to be dramatically restructured while we were in them. Um, yeah. people. And they also had one that was in the art school, or the, the cinema school, uh, called Interactive Media, but we only worked with them a couple times. Did you end up making any games while you were in school as, like, portfolio Not stuff? Not, like, good ones. <laughs> uh, the, only, the only one I, I made that, anyway, that is actually, like, still around somewhere is uh, called Rags to Riches. It was a game where you're, you're a panhandler. Uh, weirdly enough, it was the first time I went to Santa Monica, the Third Street Promenade, which is where I work now. Uh, was when one of my friends took me there because I was making a game about panhandling. <laughs> um, but yeah, that that game was all right. People like it. I didn't because I had to make it, and <laughs> it was terrible because it was basically it was me and an artist, and then over at the Berkeley School of Music was supposed to be a guy making music for us. Didn't get any music for the game other than a rough draft of one of the songs. I never heard anything from that guy because he was only communicating with the artist who never did anything. Uh, and uh, I had a great conversation with my teacher. Where I was just like, I was like, hey, he hasn't done like anything. All of the art in the game is by me right now. And he's like, I wish I could tell you that this was a learning experience, but if this was real life, he would have been fired and there's nothing to be learned here. Wow. Yeah. Um, what about uh, Jetpack Pegasus? I remember oh, seeing you work on that uh, <laughs> yeah, uh, jet- for a while. So, you, do you remember the game uh, Robot Unicorn Attack? Mm-hmm. No. Uh, it was a Cartoon Network game. Or oh, a, yeah, an Adult yeah, Swim yeah, game. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The Adult uh, Swim game. Yeah, that, yeah. that made uh, Always by Erasure super popular again. Um, we made like a 3D version of Robot Unicorn Attack that was called Jetpack Pegasus. It was about a uh, unicorn who wanted to be a... Uh, a Pegasus, so it had a jetpack powered by love. Uh, I mostly <laughs> oh, worked. I mostly worked on particle effects for that game because that game had so many particle effects that it became what me and my friends were known for. Wow! And every time, even though that was the only time we did that, every time we made a game, like people would just make fun of us for having so many particle effects. We're like, but that was just the one. <laughs> but yeah, uh, like because the. The jetpack would like emit streams of rainbow-colored hearts oh, behind yeah, it and stuff. Yeah, and yeah. whenever, whenever you dashed, I spent like a week programming it right so that it would leave a rainbow trail of particles, like wow. with the colors sorted properly and everything. Wow. Perfect. Put an unnecessary amount of effort into that. Wow. I don't know if it's unnecessary. It's that attention to detail that really brings people in, you know? Well, that's... that's <laughs> the game didn't look like crap, that might be a valid point. That's, that's, <laughs> that's being a nerd. I mean, really, it, it's, it's, not, it's not what you consume, it's how you consume it. So. Mm-hmm. And for me, those rainbows were important. They're yeah. very important. <laughs> rainbows are always fun. I mean, you're tasting a rainbow right now. It's true. <laughs> it's delicious. We should talk to Skittles about getting some sort of sponsorship. Oh, my. Um... <laughs> Yeah, I was saying. I was saying. I was before you got here. I was saying uh, the the something something experience podcast now with Skittles. <laughs> Skittles. So, uh, yeah, we are uh, we are earning uh, no money for from Skittles. Mm-hmm. We just like rainbows. We just yep. like rainbows. Who doesn't like rainbows? Fascists. Fascists. That's right. <laughs> Those are the only people. Probably the colorblind. I don't think they dislike actively dislike rainbows. They're probably right. just like. Maybe. They would like rainbows. Yeah. Unless they're fascists. If they could see them, yeah. <laughs> they're, they're probably just like, meh, didn't see it. Yeah. <laughs> they, don't, they, don't con- they don't have a constitutional resistance to rainbows. They just can't experience them properly. Yeah. So I am dying to talk about Mad Max Fury Road. Yeah. Like, yes, I saw that yesterday. That. That's both the best movie and the best video game I've seen all year. <laughs> Good oh, point. Is it, is Good it point. a video game too? No. Oh. oh, actually it will be. That's the... Okay, I have to talk about this. Yeah. The Mad Max video game... Started to be advertised before the PS4 came out. Mm. It was there was just a box on store shelves that said Mad Max on it. Pre-order. <laughs> There's nothing else on this fucking box. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it, it still hasn't out. Mm-hmm. We were and we didn't know there was going to be another movie. We were just like, why? 
why would I buy this Mad Max game? Yeah, uh, George Miller is making two more movies, and he said that the next one yes. coming out in the series is going to focus on Furiosa. Nice. So all my dreams are coming oh. true. <laughs> I uh, I just absolutely... I, at first I was like, okay, you know, I kind of like Mad Max. I saw Road Warrior in the theater, I think at the at the 50 Cent Theater. It wasn't even a dollar theater at the time. Mm-hmm. This was the early 80s. Um, I saw, the you know, Road Warrior in the theater. I didn't see Mad Max until years later on TV, and I've never seen Thunderdome, I know, Sin of Sins. Uh, but, and I was like, yeah, all right, I like that, that's cool. Oh, they're remaking it, okay. And then at first I was like, oh, great, yeah, another remake. Why don't they make something original? But then... All this MRA stuff started coming out. All this male rights <laughs> activist crap came out. And I'm like, dude, I may just have to go pay to see this movie twice now. Yeah. And I went and saw it, and I'm so glad I did. And it was mm, your lady tears are so delicious. Oh, so great. Uh. I, uh, I, I, it was so, I was just, the opening of the movie, I was just like, okay, it's this. It's just you're taken right back into the that just height of action mm-hmm. on of moving vehicle action, yeah, a multiple moving vehicle action with all these extra added stuff that mm-hmm. they all did on camera. There's very little CGI in the movie. Yeah, it's mostly practical effects, which is amazing. Yeah, the other thing that I really liked is all of the fire is red. It's not. Mm-hmm. It's not yellow. It's not orange. It's deep, deep orange and red. And yeah. I loved how just blood red all the fire and explosion. Well, there was a lot of fire. Yeah. It was so good. Even just looking at the movie from a composition of sure. color perspective, sure. like he's using orange and blue, which are two complementary colors throughout. You look at most every scene, like with the tornado, mm-hmm. orange and blue. Mm-hmm. Even at night, it's orange and blue. Mm-hmm. So like, mm-hmm. even in terms of composing color, he's a master. Yeah, but I think yeah. Brandon hit on something when he said it's the best movie and the best video game. Because George Miller did a really excellent job of telling a story using action as a vehicle for that story. Yeah. Like, just amazing. Yeah, yeah. It was a really good story. And I don't know what... I don't see... I mean, obviously, I'm not a not a misogynist. So, but, I, <laughs> but I really don't see... And all these MRA guys haven't even seen it. Right. There, there. I don't did not find the message to be some great overt hit you over the head. No feminist. No, there, there isn't a message because there, no, it isn't. There's just, no commentary because this doesn't take place in our society. No, it yeah. takes place in this fictional society where, undeniably, this man is in charge and he treats women badly. And yeah. it's not a commentary. That's just what this world is. Yeah, yeah. But again, this is another thing that you know shows George Miller is a master storyteller yes. because he was able yes. to hide the feminist medicine in this delicious action-packed explosion piece of cheese. Yeah, you know. Yeah, like it's just oh, it's fantastic. Yeah. Like this is the movie that I needed when. I was a teenage girl. Oh, yeah. For real. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Well, I, yeah, it's for me, rather than being this great, giant, overt feminist, stamped feminist thing, mm-hmm. it was just a good balance point. It was right. it was a way to tell a story that also involved a, a big budget, explodey, mm-hmm. action-packed, Blood and not really blood and guts, but blood and 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 fire and explosions. Movie that also had women in it. Yeah, it wasn't all women, and it wasn't oh my god, men suck. It was just here's a, a, a certain. It was a, women being people and being, getting yes. to finally act like yes. people. Um, yes, and that was the thing. Like I've been reading uh, interviews and watching snippets of interviews and stuff like that. And George Miller has come out and said, you know, he wanted to create a character that could go toe-to-toe with Max. And, like, mission accomplished with mm-hmm, Furiosa. Yeah. Like, mm-hmm. amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, and then Charlize Theron is praising him. She was like, look, he didn't set out to make a feminist movie. He just wanted a true-to-life movie with women in it, you know? Yeah, and in addition to men. Not, you know, it wasn't only women. It wasn't all women. It was just a good balance. Right. It was well-balanced. Right, but by telling the truth, he was able to create, you know, some of the most, like, feminist characters we've yes. seen in a long time. Yes, yes. Feminist action characters that weren't, like, skimpily dressed. That right, weren't, or the like, cliche, like, you know, I'm big... a strong woman and let me prove it to you because I have to. No, they were just... Women surviving. Everybody doing what they had to do to survive. And it had nothing to do with, I'm going to be the hero now. It was just like, everybody played their part. And and, and it was all, it was all 
blended together, you know, puzzle mm-hmm. piece together, and, yeah. it, and it worked, and it just worked from yeah. top to bottom. And I loved seeing the uh, contrast in fighting styles from, like, the War Boys mm-hmm. and Imitin Joe to the uh, female clan at the end. Yeah. Uh, yeah. By the way, warning, spoilers, 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 uh, get out now, um, you've been warned. So, like, you know, the War Boys, they're all about just, like, wasting bullets and, you know, making a big show and, like, ah, whatever. But I really liked, there's this one little moment where the two old women are on the truck and they're like, one man, one bullet, all right, let's go. And then they fucking do it. Like, they hit their mark every time. Mm -hmm. And just that contrast and fighting style was really great, you know? Like, the more showy fighting versus, like, efficient, you know, let's get the job done kind of style. So... I've never watched a movie with this many explosions in it, and they've been like, "I hope they like make a book or something." So well, I want to, I want to know more. Of, I want to like read about the War Boys now. Uh, you know funny I, enough, there's two comic books out. One is about how uh, Imitin Joe started his cult and everything, ooh. and his like transformation from like guy in the military, you know, to surviving in the post-apocalyptic world, and like you know the War Boys and all that. Uh-huh. And I think one of the other comics is specifically about a war boy. Um, either Nux, the main yeah. war boy, or a different one. I can't remember. But what I want to know is if uh, Toe Crusher Joe is the same character as Imitin Joe. Because it's the same actor. Yeah. You know? It's it's not the same character. They just had the same actor. Oh, okay. Yeah. Got it. <laughs> so he was one of the previous movies. Yeah, yeah. He played Toe Cutter. So, yeah. <laughs> okay. Right. Um, I um, there's something I miss from growing up in the '80s. Uh, we didn't have DVDs, we didn't have Blu-rays, so yeah. um, so <laughs> they had uh, special effects behind the scenes, hour-long specials on TV on network mm-hmm. TV uh, for Star Wars, for Indiana, for Indiana Jones movies, for other big action movies, and uh, there was one for Die Hard, and they would just they would put them out, you know, every few like six months after a movie would be released, mm-hmm. and it would not only was it that one thing where you know once it was out of the theaters you couldn't really see it again until yeah. it was either back in the theaters or eventually it got released on on VHS or DVD but mm-hmm. but then you you you'd be able to see more of that stuff and some of the behind the scenes of how they did certain things and it was really mm-hmm. great back during the um the practical screen effects right. days um, and and so you got to see a lot of that. I would really love to see an hour long how they did it stunt behind yeah. the scenes stunts and explosions oh, and how God. how they got to to, uh, to to how we got to see some of the things on film that they that they produced. Yeah, and how that how they made it get there and it was pretty. I, I would love to see something like yeah. that. Yeah, hopefully it's on the Blu-ray. Yeah, um, yeah, I'm sure it's going to be. One thing I wanted to mention, you brought up like the MRAs and their butt hurt and everything. And you know, when I first saw all of this coming out. Um, um, the first thing that popped into my head is, did they forget about Ant Entity, a.k.a. Tina Turner, in Thunderdome? Because, like, yeah. real talk, she ran Bartertown. Like, in the movie, I just I just rewatched it. Um, in the movie, she said, I was nothing, and I built up this town, and, you know, like, I did it. Like, she gives, like, that bootstrap speech. Mm-hmm, so mm-hmm. she runs Bartertown. She created Bartertown, which means she created all of the laws that they follow and the Thunderdome and everything. And, you know, like, there's that scene where it's like, Master Blaster run Bartertown, but at the, you know, like, well, do you mind if I spoil it for you? What? Oh, Thunderdome? Yeah. No, go right ahead. Okay. The movie's at, 30 at, years old. Yeah. I'm not <laughs> I, haven't, I haven't seen it by this point. It's my fault. Yeah, okay. So at the very end of the movie, you know, Max is, like, on the ground. He's out of weapons. He doesn't have his car. And uh, she comes driving over in her car with her personal guard and everything, and she just kind of looks at him and laughs, and she's just like... Oh, this is where we end. Okay, bye. And takes off. So Max only lives because Tina Turner's character wills him to live. She's Mm. just like, all right, we're done here, and drives off. So, you know. (laughs) Let that be a lesson to you. Bye. (laughs) (laughs) Pretty much. I'm allowing you to live. Bye-bye. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, there's always been, like, a strong female presence in the Mad Max world. And, you know, like, everybody goes on about, like, Bartertown and Thunderdome and all of that. But you can't talk about that. You can't have that without talking about Auntie Entity and, you know, like, her presence and everything. Because she fucking ran Bartertown. Right. She created it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. It was good stuff. I There was... There was 
There was a, a female warrior and road warrior too. I mean, she wound up getting killed, but mm-hmm. um, yeah. Yeah, I feel like there were a couple with the biker gang. Like, yeah, in yeah. The background there was, too. She was the one. She was wearing like white fur. Yeah. And I, uh, she was like a blonde woman with white fur and a white mm-hmm. hat. And I, and I, she's the one. The, the one character that stands out for me from that movie. That and the little kid. Yeah. The little kid. The, the little kid. <laughs> the, with the crazy yeah. boomerang. The little kid. Little kid with the, the murder boomerang. Kid. Yeah. 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 <laughs> so, so I also in the last week. Uh, I, in the last week, I've seen three movies. So and this is mo- m- much more being on par with having a media podcast. And <laughs> I saw Age of Ultron, and uh, I really enjoyed it. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't, I don't think it was. I, I mean, I think probably as a non-Marvel um, Universe nerd, um, uh, I, I like all the Marvel Universe stuff. I'm just not a nerd about it. So mm-hmm. I think it, uh, that movie for me was enjoyable. You know, without knowing all the backstory of every character right. and all this and all that, and possibly and, more. Enjoyable, yeah, exactly, exactly, and because two Marvel nerds, yeah. right? Because because I don't I don't you know I don't care about the discontinuity with the comics, and I don't care about this or that. And it was just to me, it was just an enjoyable kind of fun movie. And my absolute favorite character in that movie was uh, Scarlet Witch. Yeah, just absolutely knocks it out of the park. And I, mm-hmm. I didn't know that that was Elizabeth Olsen, and I didn't know much about her. And now I'm kind of become obsessed with her. I, mm-hmm. I find myself right now I'm obsessed with three different actresses. One is one is Elizabeth Olsen. One is uh, 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 Milana uh, Weintraub, who most recently is on that um there's a there's a series on yahoo about a bunch of people in space like on a spaceship it's like a space oh, oh other space yeah it's other yeah, space my, my co-worker's always watching that I don't, yeah i just like look over and see that show all the time yeah <laughs> um because uh joel hodgson i think is on that, mm-hmm. that yeah. show and uh but uh, milana milana uh, Weintraub. i'm probably butchering her name but milana Weintraub is on that and she was on she's been in a bunch of stuff mostly what she's been doing lately is she's the um the uh, uh, sales person at the AT&T commercials. Uh, when people walk in okay. for AT&T wireless stores, she's the one in the blue shirt talking mm-hmm. to people and blah, blah, blah. So, um, but I, so I've been kind of obsessively looking up all her work and stuff and what she's been doing. Mm-hmm. And then the other one is um, the, the woman from, uh, the actress from uh, Ex Machina. Mm-hmm. So now I'm yeah. fascinated with her now too because she so masterfully played an android. Yeah. And, and, um, so, uh, but yeah, back to Elizabeth Olsen and Scarlet Witch. I'm like, wow, I'm, I'm kind of sorry that, um, I'm going to get kind of spoilery here. Uh, the other most likable character in the film for me, uh, wound up not surviving the end of the film. So I right. won't say, but I think well, we all know. Which, so. Well, that, that was annoying to me. Yeah, <clears throat> that was a little annoying. Um, but if. They play on Scarlet Witch's power in the comic books. All she has to do to bring her brother back is want him back. Yeah. Like, she can bend reality to her will. There's a whole series of uh, X-Men comic books about that called House of M. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. All she has to do to bring her brother back is just be like, I want my brother back. And it'll happen. Like, that's her mutant. Yeah, I like, I like the way that they... Um, they that. Uh... Hawkeye kind of gets her to come out of her shell, so to speak, during the big end sequence, you know, and kind of yeah. like, like, I don't know, I guess as a comic book fan for me, like when he's given her that little pep talk, I'm like, of all the people on the team who need a pep talk, I don't think it's the Omega level mutant, you know, but again, she's only, she's only as strong as she believes she is. Exactly. And, and she has serious PTSD because she was like, that was the same. That was like the same city where she got trapped in that building. For right, right, days, and so. she's okay. right, and she's also um, been under the thumb of Hydra for however long too. Yeah. So she's been fucked with, and her mind's been fucked with. So she, she needed somebody to kind of ground her and, and say, "Hey, you got this power. Go out and use it, or either stay here and 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 that's fine. If you if you can't, that's fine." Mm-hmm. Do what you need to do, but you need to make this decision. Yeah, I guess that's fair. I'm just I'm used to my comic book Scarlet Witch, mm-hmm. so. Right. <laughs> right. But the way that she played that character, it it was really good, and you could see because you could see her kind of going from someone who is really unsure of herself and coming into somebody who really is starting to grasp what she can do, mm-hmm. and it's nice to see. An arc, a, a mini arc like that within yeah. the context of one story 
for a female character. It's yeah. nice because, um, yeah, it, it, it's good to see that. Mm-hmm. I think, like, one of my biggest gripes, and I know this comes down to copyright and everything, like, I just wish that Marvel had the rights to X-Men. Yeah. You yeah. know? Like, so that... Because a future past and blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Yeah. Because yeah, cause they, made them, they made them not born with powers. Yeah. Which is <clears throat> weird, because, like, the whole thing about um, Scarlet Witch and Quicksilver joining the X-Men, and I think I've gotten into this on the podcast yeah, before, you... is they're Magneto's kids. Right. Yep. You know? Yep. We talked so. about that a couple weeks ago. Yeah. <laughs> Which also in in that universe makes them the children of a Holocaust survivor, yep. which makes them joining with Hydra in this movie really, really insane. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but they aren't that in this universe, I guess. So yeah, they're just orphans. Or yeah, something? well, that's what they yeah, said. Yeah, they, they, they were their with parents, their family when the, the shell hit came. their yeah, pa- yeah. their par- yeah. the family or the the shell hit their apartment building and their parents were killed instantly. Mm-hmm. They didn't find them. They and they were stuck inside that building for however many days or weeks think, or whatever. Yeah, they were in there yeah. for like two days, I think. Yeah. Hmm. Oh. Personally, I liked Mad Max better than uh, yeah. Age of Ultron. Oh, sure. Yeah, easily. yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> but uh, that being said, uh, I liked Ex Machina even better than both movies. Oh. I would put it between them personally, but I did like it a lot. I liked Ex Machina a lot. I, I have a very strong criticism of the press because all anybody in the press is talking about is how erotic it is and how yeah. sexual it is well, and how it, and it's like it's that not. movie's not about that at all. I mean, there is an element to that. Clearly, this guy was just trying. To, this this guy was just trying to create fuckbots that would fall in love with him and <laughs> genuinely fall in love with him, but. At the same time, it's not just only about that. It's yeah, I mean, about the the movie isn't sexy at all. Like the parts that are sexual are really, really upsetting. Mostly, yeah, okay, yeah, yeah. And, like you look at it and you go, uh, <laughs> hey. <laughs> Yeah, That's I mean, weird. I haven't... It's uncomfortable, yeah. yeah. I haven't seen it okay. yet because everything in the press was like, sexy robots, and I'm like, I'm so over sexy so, robots. So ignore that and okay. go see it anyway because it's all about autonomy and it's all about real artificial intelligence. I mean, that, okay. you think it's going to be about sexy robots and you think it's going to be about that, but then it really turns into this this question of what it means to be... Intelligent. What, yeah. what, it, what it means to be sentient, basically. Yeah. Also, I really loved the uh, the, the the villain character because he is such a perfect Silicon Valley douchebag. Exactly. It's exactly. it's hilarious because like you you he, in, like the beginning of the movie he comes out in the balcony and meets him and the guy's just like like punching a, a punching bag and the guy turns around and he's like bro yeah <laughs> like, it's like one of his a, first words is just bro he's it's a like, total, oh god he's a total programmer and and <laughs> but but he. That the the actor who played him was so good. He's really good. He's so good at playing that. And it's it, this it wasn't evil just, super genius bro. But it wasn't. Ew. But it wasn't like a one dimensional portrayal of a programmer. Mm-hmm. There was these subtle layers to everything, and like to some extent, he was probably doing it on purpose. Probably. Yeah. 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 A little bit over the top, but you see the character shift. Mm-hmm. That that was kind of a almost like a veneer. So I don't want to I don't want to kill it completely, yeah. but but you yeah ignore the press. Okay. I, I'm glad I went and saw it anyway, even mm-hmm. though the press was like sexy, sexy, sexy. <laughs> and I had never like heard any of that. I went and saw it because like someone I know on Tumblr was just like I just saw Ex Machina. It is the best movie I've ever seen. They're like, okay, I guess I'll go see it. Yeah, it was <laughs> it was very very good. And and out of the three movies I've seen this last week, I liked that one the best. Of course, that was also the last one I saw, and I tend mm-hmm. to be you know kind of gravitate toward whatever I've seen yeah. last, kind of out of yeah. you know whatever's most forefront in my mind mm-hmm. but I keep going back and thinking about that and I want to um, and I want to find more uh, there's a movie that came out of in 2011 called Pure and uh, it was a, a Norwegian or Scandinavian movie Swedish movie maybe mm-hmm. and the actress who played Ava who played the, the chief uh, the main character in Ex Machina was in that and so now I want to go and okay. see that so yeah. Um, but oh. it's making me want to see more things like that. Yeah, I'm probably seeing uh, Mad Max again tonight because it's Ooh. that good. Um, yeah, yeah. I'll go. Yeah, you totally yeah. should. Um, yeah. A bunch of us are going from the goth scene, Ooh. so 
you know. Cool. You know how we roll. Yeah. <laughs> With spikes and, you know. There was a bunch of people that went and dressed up. Like, I saw pictures on of a whole bunch of people got together yesterday and went yeah, and saw Mad Max. The, uh, well, there was a drive-in that showed it. Yeah. And then yeah. there was another one, and they were a bunch of people were dressing up in, like, Mad, yeah. you know, like, they're basically got their Wasteland Weekend outfits yeah. out. Yeah. Well, I want to go as a war boy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, speaking of, I'm going to Wasteland Weekend this year. Cool. Um, and I just found a camp. I'm going to be camping with the Dead Enders, mm-hmm. um, who do a theme camp every year. The whole thing is like, we're from Angelus Crater, what up? You know? So, pretty stoked about that, and if anybody's going to Wasteland Weekend, I'll see you in the fucking Thunderdome. <laughs> cool. Cool. So, um, what are you working on right now? Right now? If, if you can talk about it. <laughs> uh, we talk about pretty much everything all the time, since... We we're we have like a super open development process. Awesome. Um, I don't know. Like right now, unfortunately, right now I'm mostly working on like fixing really small stupid bugs that are killing me because I can't figure them out. But, uh, <laughs> uh, the last thing that I was working on, I did a a, a 2D radar system, which was really cool. Uh, it's like so you know, obviously when you're in a spaceship, you're fighting in three dimensions. So we have this. Uh, it's the same kind of radar they used in the Wing Commander games. Uh, which is where it's like a point of view radar where the center of this circle is like your this is view. your this is like 90 degrees up and down 90 degrees left and right and so you can see that and then the outer ring of it is things that are behind you uh, and so on this display basically things are always in the direction you should turn to face them uh, that's cool and I, I got to spend a ton of time working out the math for that and that was really fun and then the other thing I did that was that's actually in the game now was a uh, turret operation so now it's the first thing we've had where you can really have two people in a ship now and have both people be doing something that matters Mm. and we don't have the we don't have the user interface in place to uh to like start real matches with multiple people in ships because i sort of like did this and we got it out way earlier than we were going to have it so it's just like there if you want to do like free flight and have a friend get into your ship you can do that uh but yeah, so you, there's uh, the multi crew is the big draw of this game. I think uh, we have ships that go from like one man snub fighters to like capital ships, mm-hmm. and we have you need like people to do things in them. So having these these turrets that you can either actually be sitting in a turret or be sitting in like just a second seat and have like a camera that's attached to the turret and use that is the first real multi-crew we've had that's out to the public. So Cool. Yeah. Very cool. So I know that there was some um, like people saying that Star Citizen is a scam and they're just <laughs> they're, asking for yeah, money and stuff like that. There literally are always those people. Yeah. Um, can you talk a little bit about that or like where that I, whole thing came from? Like I know it's I, I, it, it comes from people not knowing how much money it takes to make a game. Like there are there's I keep seeing articles where they're like they have enough money like why are they still raising funds? And it's like yeah, we have like eighty million dollars, and that is, this is like Grand Theft Auto Five was like two hundred fifty million. Mm-hmm. This is way bigger than Grand Theft Auto Five. Yeah, we have like four studios around the world. Like, it's an insane amount of money to make this game, and we every dollar that we make is we. There's no profit. There, every dollar that we get in fundraising gets spent on making the game. Mm-hmm. Uh. There's no, I mean, we're we're crowdfunded and we're indie. There's no shareholders. None mm-hmm. of this money is going anywhere but making the game. And like, I don't. People could like, people who think that like Chris is is like a scammer or something like, you couldn't like work there and think that because like we used to have to like stop him from working so much on it <laughs> so he could like do the other boss things that he needed to do. <laughs> Yeah, it, it's it's. Just I'm insane. doing boss things right after I'm done doing physics. Yeah, uh, sorry. Pretty much. Yeah, like I, I remember, like we were we had some big demo coming up, and he was supposed to be like doing a a presentation for it, but he was working on a on code for all of like the gimbaled items, which is like the the ports that like allow the guns and thrusters to rotate. Okay. Uh, and he was working really hard on that, like all night. And it's like, no, Chris, you have to, you have to go give a presentation. Stop, stop working on gimbals. <laughs> Somebody uh, needs to sign the paychecks. Yeah. <laughs> so it seems to me like, uh, most of the confusion just comes from a lack of uh, knowledge of how games are actually made. Yeah, pretty much. And like, which is really upsetting because no one has... Oh, actually, no, it's two things. It's one is how much they don't know, uh-huh. and two is how much we tell them. Okay. Because 
no no one else does that where we like tell them everything that happens mm-hmm. like when Ubisoft has a game that gets pushed back six months from where they wanted to release it, they probably haven't told people when they were going to release it yet. Yeah. Or a lot of the time, they just do it, and there's no explanation. Like, mm-hmm. this game's coming out later now, and everyone's like, oh. But no one really comments on it. But then, like, when we do it, we're like, okay, yeah, so we were about to release it, but we want to add all this stuff, so we're going to push the release back a little while, and then it's going to have all these extra features, and then everyone's like... Why? Why isn't it coming out? Stop pushing it back. <laughs> all, the, all the major game studios are very, very secretive about right, about yeah. their projects, and because they don't want people, they don't want spoilers, and they don't want people ganking their ideas, and they don't, mm-hmm. you know, et cetera, et cetera. So, I mean, like, they're still being like, like Bethesda is being completely tight-lipped about when and if there's going to be a TES six, and right. that's the game I'm absolutely, you know, just creaming myself in anticipation of. <laughs> yeah. Cause, and I, you know, to the point where I've played Skyrim through, I'm on my second playthrough of Skyrim uh-huh. now, and, you know, I didn't even quite get through it. Comp- I mean, I got through the game, but I, I hadn't done all the missions the first time. Uh-huh. But I just, actually right now I'm playing Lego The Hobbit, but... Um, <laughs> um, Which is like Skyrim. Yeah, kind of, kind of. Um, but, uh, yeah, so, yeah, the, the crowdfunding thing, is, it has its pluses and minuses yeah. because, you know, yes, you can get money into a project, but, I mean, also, so many people have have gotten burned and so many projects have not completed and yeah. so many people right. have lost their money and felt ripped off. And so I can kind of understand one thing, but if you have a company like yours that's being so upfront about what it's doing and what's taking the, the, the amount of time and how much money's being spent here and there, there's like a full disclosure type thing happening, then, you know, then people should well, STFU, I mean, you know? What, what bothers me most is when people are like, it's a scam, they're going to run off with the money, and I'm like, the game has been, like, out for a year. You can play it, and we keep adding more things to it. How could you possibly think this is a scam? You right. can see what we did with this money. Well, so then, you know, if, if you think it's a ripoff, then fucking don't donate. Yeah. Well, yeah, that's the other thing. Ding! It's, Hello? Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, for someone like me who, you know, does not know how games are made, like, I know the art behind games, but I don't know, like, programming and anything else that goes into it. What are, like... Three or four things you wish the average person who knew nothing about how games are made actually knew. Hmm. Let's see. Uh, I don't know. I've probably one one major thing is how many like games come out buggy. Everyone knows uh-huh. that. That's because there are so many bugs that did get fixed. Mm-hmm. You have no idea. Like. Ev- nothing, nothing works the first time. It takes, and then like you get these these little bugs that have like, re- like I, I find bugs all the time that I like don't even tell anyone because I'm like, this is such a like low chance of happening. No one is going to approve gives, putting someone on time to like fix this. So I just don't even say anything. Okay. But like the thing is like you have probably done something that no one else has done in this game. And, like, you found a bug no one has ever seen before. Mm -hmm. Like, that's going to happen, like, all the time. Yeah, the bigger the games get and the more variables there are and the more quests that you do and the the orders of doing those certain things and those actions. And, yeah, it's it's to the point where it's nigh unto infinite, I would imagine, with the mathematical complexity of a game and and all the different possibilities of where you can go and what you can do that there's going to be a glitch here and there. Yeah, like, uh... I, I'm, I'm a weird guy, so I do a lot of weird stuff when I, whenever I'm testing the game. Like, you know, generally, this and this I think is part of the problem of why a lot of bugs don't get caught, is people know what, people who are making the game know what to do in the game. So that's what they do. They do what they're supposed to do, which is definitely not how I do things. Um, <laughs> I do everything I can think of that would, that I think might mess up the game. So I just find stuff all the time. Like, I found a, a bug in one of the hangars, um, there's like an elevator that goes up and down and it doesn't actually have a roof. Hmm. Um, and what I found is that if you get in it while it's going down and then just start like running up against the wall, <laughs> you'll like slip up out of it and you can sort of stop on a shelf on the wall of the shaft. And, and if, you then, the if, you, you. if you then 
step off after it gets down a little while, you hit the elevator, teleport back to where you were, hit the elevator, teleport back to where you were, <laughs> hit the elevator and teleport onto the roof of the shaft. And I was just like, no one's going to fix this. I'm, I'm just going to enjoy the knowledge of, of, the, of this bug. <laughs> That's all I can do. <laughs> and then I found a more serious one that, that we did fix. Uh, so despite we, the fact that we have a Newtonian physics, a pure Newtonian physics system and all the physics is really uh, accurate, we still artificially limit the speed of ships. Mm-hmm. And we're changing how we do that. So it'll, it, we're changing how we do that a lot. And we just put out like a 20 minute video with our actual rocket scientist, John Pritchett, uh, <laughs> talking about all of that. Um, but yeah, so right now ships all have different top speeds and I found this weird bug where, like, if I turn off my maneuvering thrusters so I only have my main thruster and then wave my nose around a bunch, <laughs> I could get up to, like, 500 meters per second no matter what ship I was in. And I was just like, oh, that's weird. Because, <laughs> like, once once my maneuvering thrusters are off and I only have the one engine, if I wave my nose around, it, I gain speed in that direction. And there's no other thrusters that can push back to slow me down. Mm-hmm. So at any in any given, like axis i'm only going like the top speed but once i then face back in a certain direction i'm going like that speed on every axis Hmm. so now i'm going like like three times as fast as i should be (laughs) and that john has fixed (laughs) so does your job mostly consist of finding bugs yeah it's it's most programming is fixing the bugs of the things you already did uh yeah that's 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 not so fun Okay. Well, yeah. what are some other things that you wish uh, non-game programmers or non-game making people knew? Uh, let's see. I already talked about how much time we, there, how much crunch there is on games. Mm-hmm. So that's that's one of the things is like everyone is always working a ton of hours on these things. Uh, let's see. What else? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Right. I feel like I feel like other than that, it's it's uh, it's well. I, I guess one thing that I think probably a, a lot of people understand, but not everyone apparently, making games is not playing games. <laughs> and and the fact that I spend a lot of time playtesting Star Citizen does not mean that I spend my day playing video games. It means I spend my day doing the same very short, very specific set of things over and over and over again until the game isn't fun anymore. <laughs> But uh, fortunately, Star Citizen is so big, and like there are so many things that I have nothing to do with that, that I don't think that's that's not nearly so much of a problem. Like if you were if you like were making Halo and it, the entire game was like running through corridors and shooting people, and mm-hmm. so all of your your debugging was running down the same corridor, shooting the same people over and over again, mm-hmm. that would be one thing. But like I don't touch like the FPS part of Star Citizen at all. So like when Star Marine comes out pretty soon, will I? I have nothing to do with that. It's just a game that I can play. Right. And, like, all of, like, the the large... A lot of, the, like, the capital ship systems I have nothing to do with. So when we have multi-crew ships, there'll be plenty to do. And, like... Yeah, but, I mean, a lot of... You just spend... Debugging is not playing a game. <laughs> it's not at all the same thing. Yeah, I, I've known several several game programmers who say that they, they're, they're done with video games. They can't play them anymore. They yeah. yeah. They can't enjoy them anymore because... Of all the hours of shit they've had to slog through of getting, you know, making one and all the deadlines and the pressure and yeah. the overtime and the, you know, you know, the having to hyper caffeinate or, or even resort <laughs> to other horrible things in order to just stay awake in order to keep, you know, churning out, you know, they got deadline and you're working, you're working basically 36, 48 hours straight without, without sleep or break or yeah. anything. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, it, it definitely, it also definitely changes the way you play games because like, when I look at, like, a system, like, I'll be like, I wonder how they did that. And, like, I can actually, like, make some guesses. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And, like, when I see bugs, a lot of the time I can be like, okay, I have, like, an educated guess at why that happened. <laughs> and then uh, sometimes you can use that to figure out, like, exploits and stuff in the game. But, mm-hmm. yeah, it's it's play, it's play playing games when you know how to make games is a different experience. Right. So what else? Uh, what else are you into besides? Well, <laughs> I, I spend a lot of my time with video games, um, but I, I mean, I also like. Uh, I'm a big fan of uh, animation, so 
I, lately I've been watching uh, I've been watching Star Wars The Clone Wars mm. like nice. a lot that show is really good yeah uh, I've been watching uh, a lot of Star Wars stuff actually in anticipation uh, of no uh, just, un- just unrelated to that actually uh, because I was I was I was at work and I was just looking for a podcast to listen to and I found uh, a a podcast called Campaign which is a uh, it's a tabletop RPG podcast using the Star Wars Age of the Empire uh, system. And it's a really, really good podcast and also a really interesting game system. So I've actually started running uh, that game at work and I'm also going to be running it with my friends pretty soon. Uh, but then I also just got like super into Star Wars. So mm-hmm. I just I just finished replaying KOTOR 1 and 2 mm-hmm. uh, and I've been watching the Clone Wars and I found that they have a the original rough draft of Star Wars, Dark Horse in 2013 made comics mm-hmm. yeah. of that. Yeah. So I, I got those, and I'm gonna. I just started reading those. Oh, in other Star Wars news, um, there's going to be a movie uh, that takes place in between um, Revenge of the Sith and A New Hope. That's about uh, how the Rebels steal the plans for the Death Star. Sure. So maybe we'll find out how all those Bothans died. Bothans, died. yeah. But. Yeah. Um, it was just announced that uh, Diego Luna is going oh, yeah. to play the male lead. I am so stoked for that. There's, yeah, they're actually doing they're doing a bunch of uh, standalone movies. They're, mm-hmm. they're doing one between each of the new numbered movies because they want to do Star Wars movies that aren't uh, the, like the Skywalkers, basically. Yeah. Right, right. And one of them will be about Boba Fett. I think. Yeah. Stoked. <laughs> yeah. Um, we are uh, one of our ship designers, uh, Dave Hobbins. Uh, left to be one of the lead Star Wars ship designers, actually. Uh, wow. And he's not working on uh, Seven. Mm-hmm. He's working... I guess he's probably working on the uh, the, the Death Star movie then. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, from then on, he'll be he'll be one of the lead ship designers. It's really cool. That's cool. super cool. Cool. <laughs> yeah. Cool. Yeah, uh, still stoked for Star Wars, uh, mm-hmm. although there hasn't really been any news since last week. Yeah. Which is great because again, now there's more Latinos in exactly. Star Wars. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Oh man, but uh, but what's her name? Um, you? Uh, yeah. in in Star Wars Seven, she's I can't remember her name. The black actress. Uh oh, Lupita Nyong'o. Yeah, Lup- yeah Lupita Nyong'o. She's yeah. not gonna. She's gonna be a CG character. Yeah. I'm so mad when I heard that. Yeah, me too. Still, still, just uh, one male black character and like one white woman as yeah. the is the quota for Star well, Wars. I but guess, but they're still the main characters, though. That's the cool thing. That is. Yeah. That is. <laughs> yeah, at least it's not like uh, it's not like Lando this time. I'm really hoping that it, the way it's looking, I'm just hoping that it's that thing where they're they're giving something for everyone, something something for the original, you know. The old school Star Wars nerds, some yeah. something for the people who are into the extended universe, and mm-hmm. obviously a brand new story as well. Mm-hmm. But right. bringing back the old cast while they're still alive, um, <laughs> yeah, um, I think that's good. Of course, um, the extended universe extended universe is technically not canon anymore. Yeah. Well, true, but the, uh, definitely we've had this discussion before where it seems like there's definitely elements of the extended. Oh yeah, universe I think I, I, I actually I've, into, I've looked into this and. Uh, I think basically anything that used to be canon is still canon until something says otherwise. Yeah. So you can assume these things are still true until someone sa- until something contradicts it. Right. There there are like four different levels of canon. There's G canon, which is basically anything George Lucas has said or had in a movie like like literally like the keeper of the holocron Leland Chi has put a offhand comment offhand jokes Lucas has made into G canon so Skywalker <laughs> is actually a very common name in the Star Wars universe and oh. Skywalker wine is a is a brand of wine <laughs> and it has nothing to do with the Skywalkers from the movies mm-hmm. that was just like a joke he made and they're like oh that's canon now because <laughs> there's a guy who gets to decide that um, yeah. then there's T canon which is now the things like the Clone Wars show mm-hmm. and Rebels uh I, I forget what uh, the next one is. It's like S canon or something, and that's basically like everything else that was official, which is canon until something supersedes it. And then there's like not canon, right? Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah, I mean, like like uh, video game alternate endings. Like if you if you play to, to, to the dark side with Revan and in, yeah. in Kotor, then that's that's not canon. 
Surprise, surprise, every time I've played KOTOR, I've always ended up dark side. Yeah, I, I just finished it pure gray. Like, what I did was, like, I played it where, like, at the start, like, he's just been brainwashed, so he's he starts out light side, mm-hmm. and then the first planet that I went to was Korriban. Yeah. So then, as he goes to the Sith Academy, he just, like, plunges <laughs> down to dark side until finally he, like, poisoned the waters on uh, of the Selkath world, Manon. Mm-hmm. And then, like, when that went really badly, he just sort of, like, turned around. And I ended up finishing at, like, pure 50% on the, on the, the, uh, the, like, dark side. Yeah, Yeah. force meter. It took a lot of work. I have to make sure I stay right at the middle. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Oh, those are such great games. They're so good. Yeah. Unfortunately, I've, I've now I've much like the Mass Effect series. Like I played Kotor two first because it was actually uh, the the first the starter game of uh, Edge of, of Age of Rebellion, which is mm-hmm. the the tabletop game. Uh, it takes place on Onderon, so I went and looked up Onderon on Wikipedia, and then I saw it mentioned that it was in KOTOR 2, and I'm like, wait, I don't remember that. <laughs> so then I'm like, I don't think I finished KOTOR 2. So I went and played KOTOR 2, and then I went back to KOTOR 1, and I was like, oh no, KOTOR 2 is so much better than this. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think I started KOTOR 1, and it's just clunky. It's like, yeah. yeah. Well, it's a 12-year-old game. Yeah, and it's turn-based. I'm not a big fan of turn-based. I like no. turn-based a lot. Mm. But it's it's only it's only semi-turn-based. It's it's like D and D if you didn't have to like stop and look up rules. Yeah, actually, because uh, I got because well, it's on a D twenty system. Yeah, I, I went and got the Star Wars D twenty books uh, online. I got like uh, I was reading the core rule book. I'm like, oh yeah, this is very literally Kotor. Mm-hmm. Kotor is just the the old Star Wars D twenty system. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I, I, that's why what I like why I like Skyrim so much because it's not turn based. You're just whacking and. and fighting like you would in real life you know my, not, my only problem you, you know like i'm going to hit you okay you try to hit me now i'm going to try to hit you and <laughs> my, like my only like, problem with the uh with the system was being uh turn-based is that there were fights that i literally could not win yeah uh, uh kotor 2 is also much easier than kotor 1 i beat kotor 2 on normal without like breaking a sweat but i actually ended up turning kotor 1 down to easy because i got to uh what's his name uh the 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 head of the Sith Academy. Oh, fuck! Um, I'm blanking on this. Anyway, I, I got I got to him and I couldn't win. There there was literally nothing I could do because he would not stop stunning me. Mm-hmm. So I couldn't even fight him, and I had to turn it like I turned it down to easy, and then I used every single mine I had picked <laughs> up. So I I, I I obviously I had quick save before I fought him, and mm-hmm. like. So right before I fought him, I went down as far as close to him as I could without triggering the fight, and uh-huh. then just started laying a minefield <laughs> back to the door that I couldn't go back through. Uh-huh. And then at, when the fight with him started, I just turned and ran away. <laughs> and I, I have I have screenshots of this of him just running through this field of mines. And then I finally I put like a stun mine at the end, so he ran through and lost three. First of all, he only lost three quarters of his, of his health to every mine I had, <laughs> which was what? fucking bullshit. <laughs> but then he hit the stun mine and it stunned him. And I was just like, oh, die, 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 die. Wow. Of course, that, that's because I did Korriban first, so I was really weak. But, mm. of course, by the end of either of those games, you're just, like, walking into crowds and, like, stun all. <laughs> and then just, like, yeah. like using flurry and cutting them all down in one round. Yeah. Oh, speaking of cutting things, um, we used to do German longsword yeah. classes together. So, were you as stoked as I was when the new lightsaber came yeah. out? Yeah. <laughs> I was so mad at everyone who thought it was stupid. Like, right? like, no, those crossbars have been missing this whole time. Exactly. Those crossbars exist for a reason. <laughs> yeah. I mean, if all lightsabers had the crossbars, none of the Skywalkers would be missing hands. Right. Yeah, seriously. <laughs> There was a meme going around like that. It had a Luke crying and like holding his hand, you know, and like it was like if you don't want this, and then it had the new lightsaber. It's like use this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Yeah. And people people were complaining about like oh, but there's metal right before the beam, so they'll just cut through the emitter. I'm like, but cortosis. Yeah. There's just a cortosis weave in the lightsaber handle, so <laughs> lightsabers don't cut through it. Yeah. Well, not to mention, as we learned in our classes, you can also use the crossbar to catch your opponent's blade, and then you have control of it, and then yeah. they're totally fucked. <laughs> yeah, well, but we've seen we've seen things cut through lightsaber handles before. I mean, uh, uh, the in episode uh, one, um, uh, 
Oh, sure. Oh, yeah, he cuts through Darth Maul's. Yeah, yeah I'm, not, I'm not saying every lightsaber has a cortosis weave. I'm just saying if he wants that if lightsaber to work, he should have a... I mean, when you're using a lightsaber normally, it's not such a big deal. I mean, because they, they, it would cut through your hand before it got to the right, lightsaber. Right, right. Or your entire torso, uh, in the case of Darth Maul. Yeah. Though he was fine. Um, uh but yeah, if if you want to like use those crossbars, then there better be cortosis in the handles. Mm-hmm. Didn't uh, Stephen Colbert did a whole thing about like how it would work? Yeah, um, and like the crystals and all of that. So. Yeah, and also also the fact that the lightsaber beam probably doesn't emit from there; it's just split. Yeah, which would mean that there, that if you cut through that metal, there's just a lightsaber beam behind it. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, the, yeah. The, the beam, the crystal is actually from the in the base, right? Yeah, yeah. Up by the, and up it has the a head. splitter for the two crossbars. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Do you remember the actual German name for that? Because I don't. Uh, <laughs> for the crossbar, Hilda. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> no, I don't remember. I, I need to know this eventually for my novice test, and I'm yeah. just like, it's a silly German word. <laughs> <laughs> it's probably one of those words that means. The, the the hilt of the sword that protects your hand from being stabbed. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's, it's, it's a short word. Like, hilde skorkundekam, you know? Yeah. Well, one thing not, not a lot of long words like that, just cool words like mochlag. Yeah. Well, one of my favorites is uh, buffelhau, which is buffalo cut, and that's just when you're trying to, like, strength your way through things, like, with no form, no technique. You're just like, Aah! like, you know, fucking Conan the Barbarian. Like when uh, like when Luke loses control in the in, in Six. Yeah, yeah. yeah. He's, he's just buffle how ah! he's buffle howling all over uh, Darth Vader. Ah! Yeah. It would be really interesting though for some. I'm sure there are write ups on it somewhere, but but like real physics write ups on on since since light doesn't really have heft and mass and 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 you know weight and and you know like all this all this uh, uh, twirling of of lightsabers. Because I've got, I've got a lightsaber, you know, the, an extendable one, and I put it, the blade all the way in, and trying to twirl that in my hand, you know, light doesn't weigh anything; it's just a mm-hmm. beam, and and you trying to twirl that in your hand as if you were holding a weighted, oh, balanced weighted sword. Yeah, it doesn't work, you know. I'll the just, I'll the just... way lightsabers spin when they're def- when they're knocked away indicates that the mat that it does have mass. In, yeah. in lightsabers, yeah, the light because the, the center of mass isn't in the center of the handle when no, they're no. when they're spinning. No, You're just no. physics. Yeah, I know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, like I said, I've, tried, I, I've, I've been tried I've been that. watching a lot of lightsaber fights in Clone Wars, and I've <laughs> definitely determined some things about lightsabers. Yeah, <laughs> I was like, okay, well, that must mean this. Well, yeah, and then you've got you've got you know obviously lasers can cut through things, but mm-hmm. but if you if you take a laser beam and you cut it, you know, you take it across a surface, it doesn't slice all the way through it. All it does is, is start searing the very front edge of where it's, right. you know, it's just, it, the light Well, lightsabers stops. are also, lightsabers are, are partly magic. Mm-hmm. That's, that's the thing. The kyber crystals that power them are force attuned. Yeah. So there's, the living force is part of what makes lightsabers work. Right, right. Mm-hmm. So there is a mass there of some of sorts. Yeah. <laughs> Magic. Yeah, the kyber it's, crystal. It's magic. Like, Splinter of the Mind's Eye. That was a that was one of the one of the Alan Dean Foster books that mm-hmm. came out between uh, Empire and or it was between Star Wars and Empire, or between Empire and Return of the Jedi. I don't right, remember. Right, that was um, where Luke goes back to uh, Ben Kenobi's cave on Tatooine and grabs the lightsaber parts and makes his own. Right. No, that was at the very beginning of Return of the Jedi and the novelization of Return okay. of the Jedi. You see okay. the cloaked figure going, and he's putting together the crystals yeah. and this and that, and they go into the history I'm of the just lightsabers wondering and all that. If but that's... Splinter of the Mind's Eye was a thing where Luke goes off by himself and winds up running, goes to this place where they talk about the kyber crystals, mm-hmm. and there's this woman there, I remember her, you know, I envisioned her being some kind of Muppet-looking creature, but then he <laughs> runs into Darth Vader on this kind of swampy planet that's not really Dagobah, I think it was, it might have been between Star Wars and Empire, but I'm, mm-hmm. I don't remember now. Is it still canon that, like, uh, the Sith and the Jedi have to go find their crystals and build their I think own so. lightsabers? Okay. I would think so. Okay. Nothing has nothing has said it isn't, so it is. Okay. Well, who was it who said that those machines? No, actually, were shot? The, the Sith. Uh, don't. That was Brian. Brian the, said that the that... only, only it, depending on when you when you are, the Sith don't actually because in Kotor it actually says that the Sith uh, lightsabers are using synthetic crystals. Mm. Oh yeah, you're right. Uh, <laughs> and that that's that's where they're why all of their lightsabers are red because they're shitty mm-hmm. synthetic crystals. But that's because in that time there's tons of Sith. Mm-hmm. Like I'm sure Count Dooku and Darth Maul had to like 
go make their own. Right, right. And if we want to get into like because that was sit- thousands of years after Kotor. Kotor yeah, 4, that's that's years. that's actually something. I talked about this a little while ago. Uh, I'm. I actually, when I started playing Kotor, I immediately turned around on being mad about the EU not being canon anymore because the idea of of how similar everything is four thousand years ago is so absurd that like I'm glad it isn't canon anymore. Mm-hmm. Like those games are great, but they don't make any sense in mm-hmm. this context of Star Wars. Right. Well, again, the reason I like them is because it's the first time you actually get into like the Sith and their mystical agreement with the Force and uh-huh. like how you know they kind of like run things and and what they're doing. Like, yes. Yeah. The the Sith code and stuff. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> the thing that was weird for me is it seems like some of the technology in one, two, and three was more because. Because our our universe's technology, special effects technology or computer technology, is better than you know what it was in the seventies. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. That there's technological things that seem better or more advanced in one, two, and three than in four, five, and six. Yeah, that's, that's, <laughs> and, that's, that's and I don't know if that's because of a degradation of resources over time during four, five, and six, but only over. I mean, I 20 always years, thought it basically. was um, the result of the empire just like coming in, taking everything away from people. It's like, oh, you can't have this or this or this. Like, yeah. you're the empire now. Yeah, that's that's probably part of it. Yeah. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. They get into that a little bit in Star Wars Rebels. Like, they start confiscating things. Yeah. Like, any and all resources, not just, like, technology. Yeah, I, but I, I just read, uh, <laughs> I just read the, the Rebels prequel book. That oh. It's the, it's the first book in the new canon. Oh, okay. Uh, it's, it's really good. It's when uh, Kanan meets Hera. Uh-huh. And part of it is about the security apparatus of the Empire. Uh-huh. Literally, it, it actually started as a corporate thing during the end of the of the of the Galactic Republic. But <laughs> literally, everyone in major cities is being watched literally all of the time. Oh, it's really messed up. Like, and it was like just like in London. Yeah, I was gonna say. but no, but it was like originally, it's like these private firms that are basically monitoring everything you've ever said for ad data. And selling it to companies, and then the empire. Gee, where took, have we seen that before? Yeah, oh, wow! The empire took over all of these systems, and like they start arresting miners for like things they say, just like to their friends in hallways and stuff. Again, where have we seen this before? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> uh, but um, yeah, but they also talk about like how 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 they're 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 taking all the resources and how many how much resources they're actually using mm-hmm. to build the mm-hmm. empire. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It, it it characterizes the empire more than I think most of the books have, where they the empire is just this like huge thing. It's like this amoeba that's just sucking everything around it in, just because mm-hmm. all it wants to do is grow. Oh yeah. yeah, yeah. Well, I mean that's that's imperialism yeah. for you. It's mm-hmm. it's size equals power. I mean, and that's it's it's that whole European mindset of everything that mm-hmm. that we've seen how well that works. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's how American got started because, you right. know, and it was, they were trying to get away from, from basically from imperialism or whatever, but mm-hmm. then they wound up coming over here and right. doing and there's imperialism all of that, with like, Western expansion. Yes, exactly. Yeah, exactly. And like, oh, yeah. So it's, it's, it's that, that whole go to a country, knock the people over their head and start taking their resources. I mean, that's imperialism. That's yeah. what it is. Mm-hmm. You're, you're a part of America now. Hmm. You're part of Welcome the to the Empire. Now. You're part of Germany now. You're part of the. It was one these of the great st- jokes. These in, are our stormtroopers. It's one of the great jokes in Blackadder Goes Forth, where where Blackadder takes place in World War One in the trenches, and they're, they're talking about why the war, why the Great War happened. It said, well, because there were two sides. They had these great giant war machines of, of basically the, these vast. Um, uh, <laughs> vast opposing forces to act as one another's deterrent uh, to so there would never be another war again but there was only one problem what was that it was complete bollocks <laughs> and he said well no the reason why the war is happening is to stop the nasty hun from his empire building said george currently the the the, the german empire can t- can consists of a sausage factory in tanganyiki whereas the <laughs> british empire covers a quarter of the globe yeah. you know i mean it's it's Man, even in school when they were like, "Oh, World War One was started by the assassination of Franz Ferdinand," rah, 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 like I was just like, 
That was the excuse no. they used to start World War One. Exactly, exactly. But I'm saying, like, even as a little kid in, like, first grade, I was like, no. <laughs> no, that's not why the, this happened. No. <laughs> the, that assassination was just such a shit show, too. Yeah. It's like five different assassins failed. Right. And then after they'd all given up, one of them was just, like, kicking rocks on a side street, and Franz Ferdinand happened to drive by, mm-hmm. and he's just like, Oh shit! Bang! <laughs> I got him. <laughs> we did it. Yeah. 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 Now they're a band. Um, but uh, it's reanimated and split into a couple pieces and started playing rock music. Yeah. <laughs> like you do. Like you do. <laughs> uh, we're over an hour. Uh, plug plug your stuff. Where can people find any samples of your work or anything you're interested in? Or you got any blogs or online presence? Never ever look at my work. Uh, the <laughs> company I work for is Cloud Imperium Games, and our website is robertsspaceindustries.com. Robertsspaceindustries.com. Okay. Is that the word space or a space? The word space. Oh, Robert. Robert's Space Industries. R O B E T R R O B E R T S S P A C E I N D U S T R I E S dot com. Yes. Great. Um, and you can find me at kittybrowndesigns.com. I'm on Twitter as Kitty Brown, and you can also find me on Facebook as Kitty Brown. How convenient. Yep. Uh, you can find me as uh, St. Michael on Twitter. That's S-A-Y-N-T-M-Y-K-L. You can find us online as something2xp. That's the number two everywhere. Please subscribe and review us on iTunes. Follow us on Twitter. Like us on Facebook and Google+. Check out our blog and listen to past episodes, please, on WordPress. Email us at something2xp at gmail.com. And remember, please be kind. Yay. The Something Something Experience podcast was conceived and produced by Michael John Simpson. This week's co-host was Kitty Brown. Intro music, Ways to Change Faces, and outro music, Scorpio 37, was written, produced, and provided by the talented Sebastian Ciceri. You can find us everywhere online at Something2XP. Please subscribe and review us on iTunes, WordPress, and YouTube. Please follow us on Twitter and like us on Facebook and Google+. Email us at something2xp at gmail.com. We invite your feedback. Please be kind.